We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Hello and welcome to Making Queer History. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about the Golden Orchid Society, which if you have been following uh, Making Queer History on social media, you will know is one of my favorite articles that I've ever done. It's a Um, good article. If you want to know what social medias those are to follow and learn about how much I love this article, those are Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. We also have a Patreon where you can support our work and, you know, just look at all the things we've created. And if you become a patron, we have all these cool exclusive things. Um, There's nothing like completely new. It's not like we're creating a whole bunch of content there, but mostly it's just book recommendations, um, interesting facts from behind the scenes, and just like facts we couldn't fit into the articles. And also, you get the podcast episodes an entire month earlier. Yes, because we got so sick, we completely missed a month for the public, that now Patreon is one month ahead of the rest of you. So if you're a patron, you get to listen to this a month early. If you're not a patron, you do not. But we also come up with a schedule for the podcast, so you actually know when we're going to like come out with a new episode. And it is the 13th of every month. Every 13th, we will come out with a new podcast. So now you can listen to our voices on a schedule. Exactly. Every 13th, you'll be so excited. It'll be making Queer History Day. You know, you'll put seven hours aside to repeatedly listen to the podcast, of course. At least seven times. At least seven times. You'd have to listen to more because most of ours are like tops 45 minutes. Well... At least nine times. At least nine times. You need to listen to us at least nine times when we are released. Um, so also, um, actual podcast-related news. We are now on Google Play. So if that's your main podcasting listening app, awesome. You can listen to us. Um, we're still on iTunes and Podbean. If you have any suggestions on podcast hosting areas that we should explore, please feel free to tell us. They're always going to be on Patreon as well and on our website. Our website is www.makingqueerhistory.com where we have all of our articles exploring different people and events throughout queer history and all our podcast episodes and pretty much everything we've ever done will be on the website. That includes links to everything. All of our social medias, our shop, um, how to book us to speak at an event. Do you want us to talk at your event about queer history and cool things like what we're about to talk about you should go through our booking um link and just see if like that's a possibility for you other things on our website include the art contest oh yes the art contest that's so much fun um every week on friday we hold a little not art contest like it is an art contest but like um if you put something in the tag that we set up we will um post it and repost it and if you put it one in the art contest tag, you have to look at the details on our social media. But if you post something in the art contest tag, you're entered to win an art contest prize, which is $40 every month. So every single month, we pay a queer artist $40 for making amazing work. We've had some amazing entries so far. 
Some of my favorite pieces of work, like, honestly. There are some really good ones. So those will also be posted on our website. Exactly. Go You'll see all these amazing pieces of art that people have won money for. Go check them out. Look at the art. Support mm -hmm. queer artists. Exactly. Um, thinking of supporting queer artists, we have a cool thing happening behind the scenes. It probably actually will be released by the time this podcast out to public. So you already know about it. I don't have anything to tell you. But I'm excited anyways. Um, all props go to Dean. Dean's been working so hard. Um, give them support. I don't know how you would theoretically do that. But just, like, give some positive vibes out to Dean. Because Dean's been doing a great, great job lately. Especially since me and Will have been sick. Mostly me. Sort of Will. Um, Will got me sick. Which was... I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm not bitter at all. Not even, um, a little bit. I'm a little bit bitter. Either way. Excited to be here. Excited to talk about queer history. Um, there's probably going to be more news next month. But yeah, I think that's it for this month. There's nothing too exciting happening outside of the fact that October just ended, theoretically. Yes, October will probably end. Yes, I eventually. Want. But it was Queer History Month for Canada and also for some other country that... Mm, um, the States? The United States of America? <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> Sounds I love all of our okay. United States listeners. I do. But um, I can love you without loving your country. Same thing goes on for uh, Switzerland. Two I countries like that are not on my good list right now. I feel like same thing goes a little bit for every country in the world. To be honest, yeah. Every country's on my bad list, including my own country. Yes. I don't really like countries as institutions. I like people within the countries, but countries themselves. I'm like, eh. There are very few where I'm like, yes, you continue doing what you're doing. Because most of the countries are not doing things that they should continue to be doing. Hot take. Countries should not. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Thank you. Either way, um, today we're going to be talking about the Golden Orchid Society, which is just like one of my favorite topics to discuss and to bring up on the podcast, to bring up in regular life, to annoy people with, um, and to also use as a really cool example of queer solidarity and solidarity between um, women. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a really cool society that yeah. I'm really excited to talk about, to be honest. I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things that we've ever covered. I'm just super hyped. I don't know what to say outside of saying I'm super, super hyped. I think there's so many interesting levels to it. And I think there's a lot more research to be done because, you know, there wasn't much research out when we started looking through it. But we made what we could find accessible as possible. And yeah, we love sharing the story because it's just, it's just a really great example of queer solidarity. And yeah, it's a great example of queer people existing throughout history in every single corner of the globe. Is corner of the globe like... Flat Earth. Yeah. Is that like a flat earther thing? Like, it, are they, like every time you say a corner of the globe, a flat earther gets their wings? <laughs> Why would they need wings? Oh, I guess because to in to, case they fall off the in ledge, case right? they fall off ledge, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. In there, case they yeah. fall off ledge. Usually, I'm like, oh, no offense to the people who believe this, um, but full offense to flat earthers. We just Galileo went through this. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through this. We know. But anyway, my favorite meme is the one where like it's a flat Earth and the asteroid, and then it spins around. <laughs> like that's solid. Okay, okay. My favorite thing. Is the fact that flat earthers, like a solid amount of them, believe that only the earth is flat. Oh. That other planets are in fact round. Because there's proof that those planets are round. But every single picture of the round earth is fake, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
for some reason, we've decided to fake this. I don't understand what the reason why we would fake that is, though. Propaganda. Circle propaganda. They're like, I don't like olives. I don't like tires. Is I don't... Like, the earth isn't square, though. It's flat, but it's not square. It's still round. Okay, they don't like spheres. Yeah, there we go. I don't like olives. I don't like dodgeballs. Maybe they had a traumatic dodgeball incident. I mean, who didn't? Actually, I was very good at dodgeball. I was terrible at throwing, but I was really good at dodging because I was queer, so I was afraid of fucking everything. So I was just like, you know, I had a second sense of if something was about to hit me in the face. So I was like, solid instinct. Thank you. I feel like that's a really great thing evolution gave me. When something is hurtling towards me at alarming speeds, I generally move before it hits me. I feel like that's a really solid advantage to have. Like, I feel like I'm winning on that one. You won evolution. I won evolution, guys. Everyone else, stop. I won. So, Laura, what can you tell us about the Golden Orchid Society? All right. So there's actually a lot of really cool things about the Golden Orchid Society. First, we have to talk about what time it, like, occurred. Because it actually lasted for pretty long. It started in 1644 by the Gregorian calendar for during the Qing Dynasty. And it went to 1949 when they were banned because of an attempt to throw overthrow the Manchu Emperor. Because That's they really were like... Right. Well, it, no, it wasn't them. It wasn't them that did it. They were sort of, like, friends with the guys who did it, or, like, they supported them, and it's like, we don't like the Manchu Empire, and the Manchu Empire, like, stay in power, and they're like, hmm. So then they disbanded the Golden Orchid Society, and it's been very ignored part of history, um, especially ignored part of Chinese history. It, it's just a really interesting section of, of their culture, um, where basically, just, like, pretty much everyone rare else in the world heterosexual marriages were not always that great they generally you know they generally included um a man bartering for a woman and the woman not having as much say in the matter and like many other places it had a lot to do with you know a woman was like a financial burden on the family because she couldn't work as much so getting her to marry upper would like raise their status, raise their financial standing. So it's just like a good setup for them. So they wanted their daughters to marry men, but they mostly just wanted to have sons. Either way, they had the daughter. They tried to marry her off to a man. And that is where the Golden Orchid Society came in. Because turns out women don't like to be oppressed. I would Hot never take. have realized. Yeah, that it's they, me. You know what? It's been a well-kept secret within the women's circles. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, basically that's where the Golden Orchid Society came in. Because some women didn't want to marry the men that their parents had set up for them. And that wasn't completely uncommon. Because, yeah, who wants to marry the person that your parents want you to marry? I mean... That is true. I love my parents, but they... I do not want to know who they would, like, have picked for me. I I enjoy the person I am marrying. So having a choice was a nice thing that women wanted. Yeah, I can imagine that. You know, you you can picture it if you try hard enough. So they wanted to have choices. And the Golden Orchid Society more or less did that. It was basically the setup. It's most like, this is what generally happened. So... A woman would propose to another woman, because that's what the Golden Orchid Society allowed. They're like, hey, proposal. 
And then they would decide, the family would decide if the woman was allowed to marry the other woman. And that wasn't always the case. Um, it was actually still, like, generally sort of, like, frowned upon to do that. But the Golden Orchid Society had you covered. Because if you're about to end up in a marriage that was possibly abusive, you didn't want to be there. Even if, like, even if there wasn't extenuating circumstances, you don't want to be in the marriage, you don't want to be in the marriage. So if you were in that situation, what you were allowed to do, well, what the Golden Orchid Society encouraged you to do was basically on your wedding night be like, mm -mm, nah, and, and not sleep with the man you were married off to. And when he would try to force himself on you, uh, physically defend yourself. And then you'd be returned the next day to your family, the marriage contract having been broken. Oh. Yeah. Because, you know, that was a part of the thing. The woman was supposed to, yeah, whole thing. Not going to get into that because <laughs> that's a lot. But either way, so the woman would refuse the man and then defend herself from him. And then she would be sent home in disgrace. So when she was sent home in disgrace, yeah, marrying a woman was a little like, mm. but it was less bad than being completely unmarriable. Because at that point, there wasn't much economic worth in daughters. There just wasn't, unfortunately. But at the point, the silk industry was becoming sort of like, it was sliding in there. It was a lot, it was doing its thing. And that meant women had jobs and or women could get jobs. So two women living together, though they'd be obviously paid a lot less than men, but two women would move in together, they'd get married. The financial burden was not on the family anymore. So they were generally like, all right, I guess. And then they'd celebrate and then they had a new daughter-in-law. Awesome, awesome times. It's just like, yeah, just sort of like a sweet little thing. And then they get married. Um, unfortunately, though, there were little caveats that came along with that, including if you did um, cheat on your spouse, you would be beaten in public and all those fun things that no one likes. But there was actually also a lot of other cool things. One, the women who got married could adopt. They could, they could only adopt women or like girls, though. Um, but they could have a family. And not only could they have a family, they could pass off ownership after they died to the girl, which was not possible in other types of families. If you had a heterosexual couple, you can't pass on your property to your daughter. Oh. But in um, these couples, you could pass off your property to your daughter because they could only ever have daughters, right? Either way, it was really interesting. And the marriages could definitely just be because two women did not want to get married. They could still be heterosexual. Not wanting to be in an abusive relationship does not mean you're gay. It just means you don't want to be in an abusive relationship. So maybe they were just running away from marriage. That is definitely a thing that like a lot of those women were doing. There was also a lot of women who just, you know, even if it wasn't abusive, did not want to get married. For and various reasons. Exactly. And of course, but what we're here for, though we do love women's solidarity, what we are here for, why queer history is looking at this, is because lesbians and bisexual women or just women attracted to women in whatever capacity that existed. Of course, this only um, applies to cisgender women within society because while it was acceptable for people society um, assigned as male to dress in traditionally feminized ways, they were not seen as an identity as more like a costume, which its own thing, but it did mean that no transgender women could join the ranks of the Golden Orchid Society. 
Um, I don't know if it ever happened that one did anyways. I don't think it did. But again, there's not a lot of research around that. Very little sources around this. Mm -hmm. Either way, it was just like, yeah, it was this really amazing society. And they'd support each other. They'd get married. Um, Do you want to read off the quote? Within the sisterhood, if two women have attentions toward each other, one of them would prepare peanut candy, dates, and other goods as a gift to show her intent. If the other woman accepts the gift, she is now bound by, bound by honor to her suitor. If she refuses the gift, it is a rejection of the proposal. A contract signing ceremony follows the acceptance. Those with the financial resources would invite their friends who come in droves to congratulate the couple and celebrate by drinking through the night. And that is the most adorable thing ever. Yeah, it's just, it's good. It's perfect. And it's just another um, show of that queer weddings have existed before now. And that's something that's often erased in the narrative around queer marriage, because queer marriage is um, often seen as like sort of like a modern invention or something that's only allowed in contemporary times. But that's not actually the case. There are definitely many societies throughout history which have had queer people be allowed to marry or queer people have their own sort of separate ceremonies or just like all these different options that have existed. To say that queer marriage has not existed before now is not only false, but it really removes the nuances of marriage throughout culture to culture. Because while in our society right now, being like, let, I'm just going to say from a Canadian perspective, if in Canada, they're like, okay, you can have heterosexual marriages and you can have like a gay version of it, but it's not marriage. That's how we view those two things, having like those two things be separate. But in different cultures, that has a different context. This is purely like a, a Canadian, North American, European, like viewpoint that, you know, if you separate these two things, that makes them in some way unequal. Where in different cultures, there was much, much more nuance and much more context, really. And I can't go into all of them right now because we're only looking at one. But there is a great, grand, large history of queer marriage before the 20th century. And I think it's one that's really worth looking into, especially if you are someone who is thinking of marrying or even isn't. But if you're a queer person, I think it's really interesting to know the history of that. And to sort of know how our queer ancestors experienced marriage before marriage was existed as it is today. There is, of course, the third branch of this beautiful, beautiful society and story. The inclusion of uh, asexual and aromantic people. Exactly. So there was this thing in China at the time where to signal for a woman to signal that she was not available and that she was married, she would comb her hair in a certain way so that potential suitors wouldn't pursue her without like, cause it'd be worthless cause she was already married. Right. Mm -hmm. So potential suitors wouldn't pursue her because she had her hair combed in this certain way. But the golden orchid society had this part of it, which was called the self combing woman, where it would be this huge ceremony where a woman would comb her own hair into that style and she would not have to end up in a partnership to do that. And there would always be, like, there would be celebration of it. Exactly. So they would celebrate the fact that she was sort of just married to herself. Yeah. And, like, living her best life and just doing what she wanted to do. And I think that's so good. That is not, of course, to say that everyone was approving of this. Because mm -hmm. just like the other branch of this, where the two women would get married, 
this did remove um, a parent's ability to gain social status from their daughters. But at the same time, the same steps could be taken without the daughter, and it was at least removing the family from the financial burden of having a daughter, even though they didn't move the financial burden onto, you know, a shared two women's space. It was just one woman sort of doing her own thing. And of course, there were definitely women within the sect who weren't about that life. They weren't asexual. They weren't aromantic. But it was an option for people who were asexual and aromantic, people who weren't interested in marriage or in even being in a relationship with, you know, another woman. Because again, you could be in a platonic two-women relationship within these marriages. That wasn't completely uncommon. But this was a person who didn't want that, who just wanted to, you know, exist on their own and be a self-combing woman, which is, you know, really incredible and a really amazing story of inclusion and giving other people options and recognizing the nuances of this complex situation. Because I feel like a lot of the time in history, it's sort of like forgotten how complex and how intense it would be. Like, sure, you could not want to marry this person, but there are so many reasons why it would not only affect you, but it would affect your family, it affect the people you love, it affect the person you might not want to marry. So it really understood and was really well based in its time of understanding the women that needed their help and creating options for them and creating a diverse range of options. Of course, there are caveats along with the self-combing woman as well. If the woman ended up in a relationship, she would also be punished as if she were cheating on a partner. Because, you know, in this idea, it was yourself. You were your own partner. So if you slept or had a romantic relationship with someone else, you would be punished just as if you were cheating. Which makes it an interesting little, little setting. Yeah, it definitely um, creates a setting for that. It creates a context of how you had to exist. But at the same time, it was an option that people would choose. It wasn't an option that was generally forced upon yeah, people. Like, like a lot of that are sexual marriages. Exactly. So it was a choice. And it was if someone wants to step in it, they stepped in it. Obviously, that's not saying that if any woman like did get punished for that, that they served it. But at the same time, it is saying that it was an option that they chose instead of something that their family forced upon them. And I think there's a lot of worth in just sort of looking at situations like these where they not only understood the complexities of the time, but they also understood the complexities of women, of what women need and what women want and what women will need to be protected and safe. Because it wasn't only some, you know, hopeful feminist moment of let's screw men, let's go off and do other things. It was like, how do we financially take care of these women? How do we make sure they're able to have families? How do we do this? How do we do that? And I think the Golden Orchid Society was pretty amazing in they just sort also, of looking at that. Yeah, and they're also really going to take into account what, what a relationship would take. You know, exactly. Like, it could be a good relationship, a healthy relationship with yourself. It could be healthy relationships with other people, with other women. Mm -hmm. It could be a romantic. It could be sexual. It could be platonic. It could be all these things at once or none or whatever you needed to, to grow and be healthy with yourself. Exactly. And I think that's one of the best things anything can give you is options. Yeah. And 
yeah, it just what makes this society just so interesting to me, not only interesting, but just like really valuable to look at. Because I think a lot of organizations now, and, and this isn't to say that there's the same in any way, but I think there's definitely comparison to be drawn of organizations that exist now to support queer people or women that limit the options of women when women are entering the society. Because, you know, in certain queer orgs, they don't accept asexual people or they don't support asexual people. And in certain lesbian groups, they don't support um, transgender women. And this is actually an example of one that did not support transgender women. So it wasn't perfect. But it does have a spirit of acceptance. And I would like to think that if they had more knowledge, they would have moved into more of that area. But at that point, the societal ideas of transgender women were very different than they are now. And there wasn't the understanding that there is today. But we do have a lot more information. So we can take the spirit that the Golden Orchid Society gave to us and take the next steps forward and have more information and use this information and this complexity and this understanding of our time to not try to fix people's problems, but to give people options and to give people space to define and explore themselves without being pushed one direction or the other. And give people a place to belong. Exactly. Uh, A little society. Yeah. And a community that can support each other. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things the queer community can ever do, is give people options. And anyone who is in the queer community who is trying to limit the options of the queer community is someone, in my mind, who is not 100% the person you should trust. That seems very real. Yeah. So just, like, keep an eye out for that, but also keep an eye out for the beauty of queer women's societies throughout history and queer women's societies now, because while we talked about the flaws that have existed and still do exist, there are still organizations like this that are all around the world supporting women and giving women options and giving women more space to not only pursue the lives they want, but also to understand themselves a little more and to give themselves space to figure out what they want. And yeah, there are just a lot of amazing organizations, queer or otherwise, that are supporting women now. And I think that's very important. So support queer organizations and support each other. Yeah, that's pretty much the best thing that we can ever leave you with is support each other and also support women. Yes, support women, always. Yeah, always support women, except when they're like, not in that gross way where it's like, the least feminist thing you can do is to criticize a woman for anything they've ever done. Not in that way. More in the way of, Support women as an institution. <laughs> yes. You gotta you gotta call women out sometimes. You gotta call a woman out every once in a while. Yeah. You know? And, you know, a lot of women really need to be called out sometimes. But calling out should be a tool of growth, not a tool of spite or pettiness. Yeah. That's wisdom from Laura today. Yeah, apparently. Little it wisdom is, corner. Yeah, it's 5 a.m. I have news for you. Be nice to people. In Those are good news at 5 a.m. in the morning. Thank you. I had to specify that it was in the morning. It's not 5 a.m. of the night. No, it isn't. That's why um, we're speaking the way we're speaking. By which I mean great. We're greatly speaking. We're speaking great. I have no idea what you're talking about. 
I don't either. But at the same time, it is almost 5.30, so we're not expected to know what we're talking about. Exactly. We are cute and gay, and I think that should be enough for all of you people. Are you ready to move into the next segment? Yes. Which we thought of maybe a name for last We have a time. name. And no, we don't have a name. We haven't decided. That's we true. need to give people the option of having this name. Do you want us to be, to name this order uh, Wrecking Queer? What was it? Wreck the Queers. Wreck the Queers. Where not only we read hate mail that we get. Secondly, we give recommendations. We give recommendations. So we wreck queers. We wreck ourselves by reading the hate mail that we get. And maybe reading... The legitimate criticisms, because there's hate mail and there's legitimate criticisms, and we can look at those, and we can at the same time recommend other queer creators who are amazing and lovely and deserve a lot of support. So we're wrecking, like, we're, we're talking badly about ourselves, but greatly about other people. Exactly, we're pushing people up and pushing, pushing ourselves down. down. You Sometimes know, you gotta peg yourself, peg yourself down? I don't know what you're trying to say. Yeah, get pegged down. Is that not a... <laughs> that sounds... Like a sex thing. I might have to... <laughs> I really might have to edit that out. Take I'm not sure. down a couple of pegs. Yeah. Oh! Yes. <laughs> the way you framed it, though, I'm gonna say. <laughs> Let's see if this stays in the second edit. I don't know. You can take it out. It I, I can definitely take it out. out. It probably should. But, you know, you might... If you're hearing this right now, just know that my final judgment was, no, I do what I want. All right, so a uh, queer recommendation. I actually am really excited for this one. Um, I had a different one, but um, I just remembered one that I'm really, uh, I've really been interacting with a lot lately. And it's a queer creator who I'm just in general really enjoying and really enjoying like sort of supporting a little bit. And I want to show all of you them because they're amazing. One second, let me just. So the queer recommendation for this. Wait, wait, wait. I just realized we didn't do the thing. We're we found a name, so I don't have to do the thing. No, mm -mm. no, you have to do the thing. I introduced you like two hours ago, so you're gonna have to do this. Basically, for all of you new folks, we've been trying to find a name for this thing forever, and you guys have not been helping us. We love you, but you have not you have not been pulling your weight here. But as a hostage situation. We have been singing a terrible intro each time, hoping that you guys will get so annoyed with us that you give us something else. It has not worked so far. I'm assuming it's because every second month you get to hear beautiful Will's singing voice. Either way, Will, start. Introduce the segment for our friends. This is the part where we give queer recommendations. We're here to wreck them. Oh, that was pleasant. I don't like that. Ha. It's supposed to be a hostage situation. This is supposed to pressure them. You want to scream into the mic? <laughs> we won't scream into the mic. Anyways, so my recommendation for today is a YouTuber. Oh. Which isn't something I've ever recommended before. Not because I don't like YouTubers, though YouTube itself is a terrible institution and I will personally fight YouTube as an institution in the parking lot of a Walgreens. Anyways. Of Walgreens. I've never actually been to a Walgreens. Me neither. So I haven't been to a Walgreens parking lot, but I've heard that it exists in America, I think. Maybe Australia? I don't know. The countries are strange. Anyways, either way, this is a YouTuber. I'm excited. I'm going to fight YouTube, but I'm not going to fight this YouTuber. This YouTuber's name is Jessica Kelgren Fozard. She is a deaf queer woman who is on YouTube just killing it, talking about 
anything that I care about, let's be honest. Yeah, she's just having a good time, making good videos, putting out interesting content, which is things that I think everyone would like. Nice. Um, recently, recently for me, not recently for you, because um, this is going to come out a lot later because it's going to be a month later than you are existing right now. No, what, than we are existing right now. Yes. Time travel. Um, that's how it works. <laughs> but right now, it's Week of the Death, and she's talking about captions and how to use captions. And that's something I'm personally very interested in. And I've learned a lot from just, like, watching her videos. So I'm really excited to just binge watch, like, 72 of her videos. I'm not sure how many videos she has. Either way, everything that I've watched so far has been really, really enjoyable, really, really good. And I think she is a great person to check out if you have the time. Nice. And, you know, just, like, one of those really nice YouTube channels that's, like, sort of light, but, like, really interesting. I just love informational YouTube channels. I, like... You watch so many informational YouTube channels. Almost every single one of the YouTube channels that I watch is, like, trying to teach me something. Which I love. I love learning things. But at the same time... Nerd. How dare you? How dare you? I actually can't think of a YouTube channel that I follow that isn't trying to teach me something. No, it's all They're all educational. Yeah, yeah. You're all right, I'm a nerd. Fair enough. Will's got me there. Uh-huh. Give the name of the YouTube channel one more time. Sure. Um, That's Jessica Kelgren Rosard. Yes. So check her out on YouTube. Yeah, check her out on YouTube. Support. Give a thumbs up. Yeah. Subscribe. What do YouTubers say? Click the links down below. <laughs> Click the links down below. We're only in your ears. So down below. Below your ears. Look below your ears. <laughs> There Watch. will be a link. There will be a link. You need to find it now. <laughs> it might be under your cushions. It's really a journey. Yeah. It's a scavenger know. hunt. Is yeah. that what a scavenger hunt is? I'm not sure. I haven't done many scavenger hunts, I'm going to be honest. There's, I know there's a difference between a treasure hunt and a scavenger hunt. Yeah. I think a treasure hunt is where you hunt, like, clues and then one final prize. And yeah. a scavenger hunt, I believe. You hunt just, like, a whole bunch of little things. Exactly. I think that's it. Either way, email us if you know this. Don't email us, please. I want to know. You just Google I that. I hate it. it. Okay. Either way, you should email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. You should email us all your critiques, all your thoughts. general thoughts. Maybe if we come up with this new part of the podcast that we enjoy, where you call us out, You'll be on Wreck the Queers. Yeah, call us out. Call us out. Tell us if we did anything wrong. Tell us if we pronounced a name wrong. Um, or if you there's just anything you noticed that you wanted to point out, even if we're not wrong. Maybe you're just like, I enjoy listening to this with my ears. Maybe we'll have to find another segment to Wreck the Queers. It's just us talking nice things about ourselves. I hate it. Fair enough. <laughs> But people come off and send us nice things. It's, it's much more... This sounds really sad, I realized, after I yes. said it. It was supposed to be, like, a, a, like an observational thing of, like, oh, yeah, people don't generally like send in nice things. People more often are, like, really shy when they're nice. Mm. Like, shy people are, like, they're generally much more shy with kindness. And they'll just, like, instead just, like, give us a little like or, like, repost our stuff, which is really, really appreciated. But if people don't like us, they will write us a dissertation. They'll be loud about it. They'll be loud. They'll write us three-page essay on why we should not include asexual people. So many essays. So little effort. Those are things that we will not include on Wrecked Queers. We, we will not. Know this. Yeah, you will not have to hear aphobia on here, generally. Mm -hmm. 
We'd like every once in a while we'll mention it, but we're probably not going to like give someone a platform if they're if you're a a, sh- a bad person. Yeah, no platforms here. No platforms here. Like if there's a really witty response though, but only if it's like a one liner. Like I I won't read like three pages of someone being really queer phobic. We're not here for it. We are not. But either way, if you have something that is not really really cruel to send in. Send it to us. And if it's cruel, at least make it funny. Yeah, that, that way we got something. We got something out of it. At least I can get a little chuckle over you calling me ugly. It's always weird when people call me ugly because I'm like, when did you see me? <laughs> like, I write. I have a podcast. I don't know. I think they just think because, like, I'm fat, like, if I'm a woman, that they're just like, this is the thing that will upset them most. Yep. And I'm like, well. You're not actually having an informed opinion, so, like... I mean, like, if you saw me every day, sure. I see you every day. I think you're beautiful. Well, that's not heterosexual. I think that's the best way to end our podcast. Yes. That was not heterosexual. Neither was this this. podcast. Not one part of it was heterosexual, except when we talked about the abusive relationships that women were forced into. That was pretty heterosexual. So... Was that too much of a drag? Yes. (laughs) Okay, Uh, rolling it back. There are a lot of really nice heterosexual relationships. At the time, a lot of them were really abusive because that was not only encouraged, but it was supported by the society. Either way, that is not the reality now. There are a lot of really healthy heterosexual relationships. But also, it's really gross how women were forced to marry men at one point. That's that's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. And yeah. Anyways, continue. Comment on our things. Yes. Check us out on all our social media. Check out our website. Yeah, that's where you'll find everything. But most importantly, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash queerhistory and pay us for our labor. Yes, we do like getting paid. It's great. And there's also really, really cool rewards right now. We really just look at it. It's amazing. I'm excited. You should be excited. I like sending stuff out to people. I really do. It's actually like a really enjoyable experience to be like, ah, uh, someone's going to get this in the mail. Post pictures when you get these things in the mail. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see pictures. Do you put your stickers on things? Because I send out a lot of stickers. Where have you put them? Post them on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Tag them with... What do you want to tag them with? Making Queer Yeah. Just tag us in it. Straight up. And, like, if you're low commitment like me and are like, I'm too afraid to put my stickers somewhere in case I regret that it. me. You put your stickers on everything. Do you know what? How many stickers have you... Have I not put on things right now? Okay, I ordered them. Seven. There's like seven that I haven't put on anything because I'm scared. But at the same time, I'm much more high commitment than Will. But you have a bullet journal, so you put on a lot of stickers on things. Yes, but not it really depends. Stick. Like not, not. It really depends on the level of stickers you care about. Yeah, that's true. I'm much more likely to put a sticker I care about on something, but then like a smaller sticker, I'll like take it off and put it back on like six times. See when I get. All right, you know what? We're <laughs> wrapping this up. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry for that. I hope I edit it out later. I. <laughs> sincerely apologize if you had to listen to this and Laura, who is in editing process, decided to keep it in and for whatever reason. Laura, what are you doing? Honestly, Come on. Half do better. podcasts at this point are just... Notes for me. Yeah. Like, when I'm editing, it's like, hey, Laura, please cut this out. I, I meant more just the two of us talking about ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And then we talked about this last episode, too. Yeah. We talked about how sometimes we go on a little, little rambles. I hope that you guys enjoy the rambles every once in a while, though. Didn't we get mail ones? Did we? said we, they didn't, like... Oh, we... No, we got a review. Oh. We got a review where they were like... They, they talk off topic a lot. And I'm like, 
that's fair. That's a legitimate reason not to listen to us. But there are really other great queer history podcasts that you should listen to if you don't like our rambles. Like, I'm not here. If, if you don't want to listen to our podcast, you should not listen to our podcast. That's a great idea. Life choice. If you don't want to listen to us, don't listen to us. That's a solid one. Um, but there's some really great other options. So if you're like, you've, you've reached the end of the podcast, you're like, oh, I don't think I'm like committed to this. I don't think I'm going to listen to this that often. There are some really great other options, such as Queer as Fact. That's a really cool podcast that exists. They talk about queer things. We talk about queer things. But they talk about queer things in a different way. So if this just doesn't feel like your cup of tea, find something else and we'll all be happy. Yeah. It's really about just having options. This is what we've talked about. Give yourself some options. If you don't love us, move on. Sometimes you got to shop around. Either way, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to all of our rambles. I'm going to go to yeah. bed now. No, we have a thing to do. Soup. Okay. Soup to make. Okay. We're making soup and then I'm going to bed. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. And remember, history is queerer than you think. We have always existed and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slumbered, we won't disappear. Into our own hands We live and we breathe and we keep creating Taking a stand History is queerer than you think Yes, we will continue Yes, we will improve Making history is just what we do Yes, we will keep growing Every step we're taking is history in the making. We hold our own future, we learn from the past. They've tried to remove our legacy, but we are built to last. So listen to the story. Cause they'll help us grow From Sappho to Frida Kahlo There's always more to know History is queerer than you think Yes, we will continue Yes, we will improve Making history is just what we do Yes, we will keep growing Ever taking is history in the making. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, we have been and will always be absolutely revolutionary. Every single day we live, we are part of the legacy. We Yeah.